0: Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose Podcast. As promised, today we are talking all things sauerkraut. So back in episode number 159, I gave you the rundown on fermentation as a whole. But today we're going to get very specific on how you can make your very first batch of sauerkraut. I'll also explain why I became a kraut fan after a good couple of decades of absolutely despising the stuff, and we'll talk some pickle tips as well. It's going to be good. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the podcast for you. Are you ready for this? Because we are going to just dive right in. Um, I do have blog posts with printable recipes and all of the measurements, and so I will put those links in the show notes. If you want to just kind of listen to the overview, and then you can go print that stuff off when you're ready to actually take action. But I'm hoping that in this episode, it'll just give you some confidence. If you have been wondering about fermented foods and you're just like, "Eh, is it too hard? Is it complicated? Do I need all the stuff? Um, You're going to find out it's actually one of the easiest ways to preserve foods that you can possibly imagine. So I'm going to give you some recipes and methods, and I think this will be inspiring to a lot of you. So let's start out just with an overview of what you're going to do. And I'll give you some more details in a minute. But in essence, when you're ready to ferment foods, number one, we want to have firm vegetables. So we talked a little bit more about this in episode 159. If you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, as far as equipment and science and all that goes. But you can ferment a lot of things, but the best things to ferment are firmer. Uh, I'm thinking beets, cucumbers, of course, cauliflower, radishes, green beans, bell peppers, carrots. You know, they all have that harder texture versus something like greens or a tomato, a little bit squishier. So you're going to take your vegetable, you're going to cut it up or prepare it, peel it however you need to. We're going to put it in a jar with uh, whatever spices you might need, garlic or uh, herbs or whatever. And then we add a brine, Brine is just salty water. We put a lid on it and we leave it alone for 10 to 14 days. That is the essence of making a ferment. And of course, there's a lot of details that can change and there's a lot of different seasonings and flavors you can add it. But in essence, that's what you do. And that's what they've been doing for as long as humans have been fermenting stuff. Put vegetables in a container, add some brine, call it good. Just leave it alone. And that's how you do sauerkraut pickles, you name it. So let's start off with, sauerkraut. I hated sauerkraut my whole childhood. I refused to eat it most of my early adulthood until I made it myself and I believe the difference is is that the store-bought sauerkraut, I mean there's nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of people like it. It just was too sour for me and the reason that the homemade sauerkraut was better is because I could control the amount of tang or sourness that it had And if I have a milder kraut, I actually really enjoy it. And my children do as well, believe it or not. The funny thing about some of these fermented foods, and I've noticed this happen with the sauerkraut, the kombucha, all of these different things that I've made fermented over the years. Initially, I'm kind of like when you first taste it, I'm like, oh, this is okay. This is fine. But I don't know. My body starts to crave it even if it's a new food into my diet, you know, like it wasn't that long after I had my first couple tastes of homemade sauerkraut that I was actually starting to find myself craving it. And I feel like maybe this is wrong, but it feels like to me that my body knows what it needs. And it's so good for you because it is so probiotic. Um, So I find that I'm not the only one who's had that happen to them. A lot of folks have said similar things. But if you can add some sort of fermented something into your diet every day, whether it's the kraut or the pickles or the kombucha or the yogurt, like think how diverse all the bacteria in your gut will be, which I don't know about you. That makes me excited. It's a good thing. But it's a great motivation to try this, even if you're a little bit skeptical and see what you think, because it may just surprise you. So, to start with your homemade sauerkraut, I would recommend starting with one medium sized head of cabbage. And usually, a medium sized head will fit into one quart sized jar. I realize that sounds insane if you've never done this before. How could that fit in the jar? But it does. You pack it in very, very tightly. You're also going to need some salt. And you will want this to be a non iodized salt because the iodine in iodized salt messes up with the bacteria of the ferment, the happy good bacteria. We don't want that to be affected. So get a sea salt. I use Redmond's real salt. I have a whole episode where I interviewed one of the founders of Redmond's. He's amazing. All the good information there. But I use fine Redmond's real salt. You could use canning salt. You could use kosher salt. Um, Actually, kosher salt's going to be a bigger grain. So I would stick with a fine salt because obviously when you have fine granules versus coarse granules, it changes the amount of salt in your measuring spoon. So pick a fine sea salt. It's just non-iodized. So I got my quart-sized jar. I have a head of cabbage. You can do green or red. I usually do green. And a tablespoon of fine sea salt. So first things first, I like to wash the cabbage, especially if it's from the garden, I have to peel off those outer leaves because they've got bug marks and such. So I peel off the wilted, icky leaves, give it a good wash, and quarter it. Then you'll find that the cabbage has a core, right? So I just kind of shave the core out because it's really tough and hard to chew. And then once the core is removed, I set it aside. Don't throw it away quite yet. And slice the cabbage into thin strips. Now, it's important with ferments. We kind of want the food particles to be a similar size. So I kind of go for a quarter inch, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, please don't get your ruler out and drive yourself crazy. Just eyeball it. We're going for a quarter inch, but again, perfection is not super crucial here. Could you use a food processor for this step? You could. But the issue with that and the reason I usually don't use a food processor is because it's really easy to make cabbage puree, right? That would be not desirable. We want cabbage strips. So food processors, I mean, I suppose if you used, I wouldn't use the shredding blade, but if you potentially use the slicing blade, that might work. But honestly, just use a knife. I feel like it's not that hard. Okay. Okay. Once I have my cabbage strips, I put them in a big bowl, and I'm talking a big bowl with lots of room, and I put the sea salt over the top. Kind of give it a mix and leave it alone for 15 minutes. Now, the reason we're doing this is we're going to have that salt start to pull the moisture out of the cabbage. And we're going to be kneading the cabbage here in a minute, but our job will be a little bit easier if we let the salt get a head start. So just let it sit over to the side for 15 or 20 minutes. Now, once that time has passed, we get to start mashing. And this is kind of like kneading bread, a little bit more aggressive. So you can use a mallet. You can use, I usually just use my hands. And you just go to town on the bowl of cabbage. It helps if you're feeling frustrated at something at that given point in time. You can think about (laughs) your frustration and give yourself a little oomph. Um, But basically you're just mushing the cabbage, and we're trying to break down the cabbage and get it to release the juices. And this takes a little bit of time. So just kind of settle into this moment, turn on to music or a podcast or whatever. And you're gonna use your fingers or your mallet or whatever blunt object you wanna use and mash, knead, twist, press, crush the cabbage. Just go after it. We're gonna do this about eight minutes. And the goal after this eight or so minutes is that we have a pool of beautiful salty cabbage juice in the bottom of our bowl. Now this will vary a little bit depending on how old your cabbage is. Like if it's a fresh cabbage, it's going to have more juiciness. If it's older, it'll be a little more dry. It's not the end of the world, but we just want those juices to start to come out. Now one of the keys, and I explained this in episode 159, one of the key things about Producing ferments that work properly is having the proper amount of salt, and obviously I'm, I'm giving you measurements, but sometimes you still have to have a little bit of tweaking happening depending on the type of salt you're using, the the coarseness of the salt. So what I like to do at this point to kind of make sure I'm on the right track, is I will take a piece of cabbage from the bottom of the bowl that's kind of sitting in that bit of cabbage juice and I'll taste it. And I want it to taste like ocean water. I want it to be salty like salt water. If it's not salty enough, I you could sprinkle a little more salt on it. But that's that's kind of your your mark. And the more you do this, the more you'll start to feel what's right or not right. But that's a great benchmark as you're learning. Once you have the saltiness where you want it, we're going to grab the jar and then you're just we're just going to pack the cabbage into the jar. Now, you could definitely use a crock if you're doing a a fermenting crock at this point, um, or a jar or whatever. We just don't wanna use plastic or anything that's gonna be reactive or leach flavors or whatever into our sauerkraut. And then I like to just uh, pound that, or let me me back up. I put a layer, like maybe an inch of cabbage into the bottom of the jar and I press it down. Like with something blunt, I can use, if all you have is a wooden spoon, that'll work. But if you have something that's a broader base, That's even better. Pack that cabbage down, add another inch or two of loose cabbage, pack that down, and you just proceed. I mean, pack it in as tight as you can, but proceed with that until you have the jar all the way full with about two inches of headspace at the top. Now, hopefully at this point, you'll have some liquid coming out of the cabbage naturally, right? You've pressed the crap out of it, (laughs) so there should be some stuff floating at top. That's good. And our goal is for the liquid, the salty liquid to be covering the cabbage layer um, by at least an inch. And it's really important with fermentation that we have the food covered completely because if we have food poking up outside of the brine, it's not necessarily going to be dangerous. It's just, it's probably going to be the piece of food that you pick out and throw away because it's going to be discolored and dried and weird. And it's, not, it could get moldy on there. So we want to make sure everything's under the brine. Now, if you get to this point and you're like, oh, there's just not a lot of brine coming out here. that That's happened to me before too. So we're going to make some extra brine. And what I do for this is I'll grab an additional mason jar, a quart-sized mason jar, and I put four cups of water in the jar that's non-chlorinated and then one tablespoon of sea salt. And I just mix that in until it dissolves. And that can last in your fridge forever if you wanna leave it in there for your future ferments. Um, But I will use my quick DIY brine to top off ferments that maybe don't have quite enough juice on their own. Uh, But super easy. Okay, So you have your cabbage filled to the jar about two inches from the top, and then We're going to put a weight on top of the cabbage. So the reason we weigh down the cabbage or the food, whatever, it could be any type of fermented food, is like I said, we want it to be completely submerged in the liquid. So I have these handy little glass weights. It just looks like a glass disc that are designed for mason jars. And they hold the food under the brine. You don't have to go buy those. You could use all kinds of different things. Um, Sometimes I'll even just take that core of the cabbage that you set aside earlier and stick that in to hold the cabbage underneath. I don't care if the core is exposed to air because I'm not going to eat that anyway. I can throw that away later, but I want that cabbage itself to be underneath the liquid. So you can use a weight, you can use a core, whatever you've got in your kitchen. Um, Just get creative. We just need to hold the food underneath. All right, now we're going to put a lid on the jar. Um, like I explained in episode 159, you can get all sorts of airlocks and, um, fancy things here. If you don't have those, you can absolutely just use a Mason jar lid, gently put that on the jar, kind of finger tight. You don't have to crank it down super hard and then set it on a small plate and put it in a, let's say I put it on my counter. You want it to be probably just room temperature, not super hot, not super cold, just a room temperature location where you're going to remember that it's in existence. You don't forget it. Don't put it in the back of your cupboard. And then four months later, you're like, Oh my gosh, the sauerkraut. That would probably not be great because it would get a little funky. Just make sure it's not in direct sunlight. Um, let's see what, what next. Then basically you leave it alone. You leave it alone for depending on your taste, anywhere from seven to, I don't know, 30 days. The sauerkraut hardcore folks will leave it super long to ferment. I'm a little bit more of a lightweight when it comes to the sauerkraut sourness. I usually go between seven and 10 days, but it just lives on the counter for a while. And it's going to allow the bacteria to start to develop and that acid that we talked about in that other episode to do its thing. You might want to burp it. Yes, it's actually called that (laughs) every couple of days just to let any gases out of the jar. I and mean, It's it's okay. You might see some liquid seep out of the lid, and that's when we put the plate underneath the jar, but that's it. It's super easy, and then, you know, seven or ten days in, you can start tasting it. Grab a little spoonful. see See if you like the flavor. If it's not strong enough, leave it for longer, and once it does get to the point where you like it, you can stick it in the fridge or stick it in your root cellar to kind of halt that fermentation process, and that's really it. That is, it's ready to eat, so sauerkraut is one of those things that feels so formidable until you actually do it. And you're like, this is the easiest thing ever. Um, and it will last a good long while, right? If it's in your fridge, it'll last for many months. Um, if you are keeping your sauerkraut in a warmer location, that's fine, but it will continue to ferment, right? So you have to keep that in mind. If you're just going to put it down in your basement, storage room and your basement storage room isn't super cold, it'll get more sour and more sour the longer it sits, which that's up to you, but that's how I do it. So anyway, that is the crash course of sauerkraut. And like I said, I have uh, videos on this and a blog post we'll put in the show notes. You can check out more details, but it's super easy. And I think that if you try it once, you're probably going to be hooked. Okay. So real quick, let's switch gears and talk Pickles. Fermented pickles are super old fashioned and super fun. There's a lot of confusion with how pickles work because we have obviously vinegar pickles, we have refrigerator pickles. Here's how I break this down. Um, So, traditionally, pickles were made with fermentation, right? The old fashioned, fizzy, bubbly pickles. And that sourness came from the lactic acid that was produced in the ferments. Now, people then also have pickled vegetables with vinegar, which gives its own level of acidity and sourness. So it's kind of like two camps. You've got the fermented pickle camp and the vinegar pickle camp. Both camps are good. There's nothing wrong. You can be in both camps at once. I am, but there's that's how I sort it out in my mind. Now, the vinegar pickle camp is broken into two subcategories. There is canned vinegar pickles, where you can them, obviously, and there are um, refrigerator pickles, Refrigerator pickles have vinegar, but you don't can them. You just put the pickle, or excuse me, the cucumbers and the vinegar in a jar, stick it in your fridge, and that's it. So that's how I split them. I just, whenever I do anything, I have to have a picture in my brain about how it's sorted out. It's just my weirdness, how I roll. And that's how I sort it out in my mind. I have a picture of an an umbrella with pickles underneath. Anyway, so fermented pickles get their acid from the lactic acid, not from vinegar. They can be a little fizzy sometimes. They can be a little bubbly. They have a little bit more of a tang, kind of like sauerkraut would have. You don't have to can them. In fact, I would recommend not canning them because when you can any of your ferments, they might last on the shelf longer, but you've killed a big chunk of the probiotic benefit, and it kind of defeats the purpose. All right, here's a rundown real quick of how to do fermented pickles. It's going to be very similar to the sauerkraut. And like, again, there's a recipe that I'll leave the link for in the show notes. You're going to need pickling cucumbers, garlic, mustard seed, peppercorns, bay leaf, and dill. And I'm not going to bore you with the exact numbers because you probably are driving or you or cooking in your kitchen. You don't want to have write this down. So just go to the blog post. It has the measurements. Um, so you're going to start with clean jars. You know, use a quart jar. I sometimes will use a half gallon jar for this if I have a lot put your herbs and spices in first like your garlic your mustard seed the dill and then you're going to take the cucumbers now pickling cucumbers are best here if you use a slicing cucumber they're a little mushier they're more watery they have all the seeds so pickling cucumbers are best and the smaller the better they'll be crunchier that way I like to trim the blossom end just very shave that off the end of the cucumbers Um, You can cut them up if you want. I try to leave them whole if if they're not monsters. If they're monsters, I cut them up. And then I put them in the jar on top of all the seasonings. Next, I take that 2% brine, which I talked about a minute ago. It's the four cups of water where you dissolve a tablespoon of fine sea salt in it. And I will cover the cucumbers completely with that brine, that salty brine. There is no vinegar in this recipe. It's just the salty brine. I'll put a weight on top just to keep the cucumbers from floating up to the surface, put the lid on, and leave it to ferment for five to seven days, just like the sauerkraut. Now, the the warmer my house is, the faster that will ferment. And then after that initial process is over, I can taste it. If they're not sour enough, I can leave them to ferment longer. I just put a lid on. I mean, it's had a lid on it, but I put the lid on tighter And I move it over to the fridge for cold storage, just like the sauerkraut. These will last five to six months, and they'll honestly last longer. But after about six months or so, the the quality kind of degrades. So it's not like you're going to get sick from eating them necessarily. They just won't taste as good. And that is really how easy it is. And you can repeat this exact process with carrots and beets. And green, you can do green beans, home fermented green beans, like all sorts of things, but it's really simple. Um, okay, a few little tips about what is normal, because this can be a little concerning if you've never done ferments before, and you're like, what the heck is this white stuff? So these will look a little different than maybe your typical vinegar pickles. And a lot of this goes to sauerkraut as well. So cloudy brine is normal. So you're going to see when you first put your salty water in the jar with the vegetables, the vegetables are going to look bright. And then the longer it ferments, things get a little cloudier and the vegetables color gets a little more muted. It's not a gross color. It just changes a little bit. So that's okay. Um, sometimes you'll get a little bit of a white. This sounds gross, but just bear with me. It's a white scum at the top of the jar. This is normal. It's not mold. You'll, you'll know the difference. That's okay. If you have a little bit of that, you can just scrape it off and throw it away. Fizziness is normal. Um, like like fizz, like it looks like carbonation. It's that's totally a normal process of fermentation. Again, liquid leaking out of the jar is cool, not a problem. And just put a plate underneath so you don't get juice on your counter. Bubbles are good, and you want to have that pleasant sour taste. These will taste a little bit different than your vinegar pickles, right? They're still, they still have a pickle vibe because you got the garlic and the dill but they're not quite the same sourness. That being said, my kids have no problem gobbling up uh, fermented pickles. And I think once you've developed that taste for it, you might even like them better than the actual, the vinegar guys. So anyway, that was a lot of information. I hope that was helpful. Sometimes I feel like when I'm trying to talk through recipe methods on the podcast, you can't see it. I'm moving my hands a lot and, and trying to show you things with my hands because I want, I'm, I'm a visual person and I wanna be able to like show you, but the blog post will do that. And hopefully if you're listening to this while you're driving or you're cleaning house or you're working in the kitchen, it'll just give you an idea of how the flow is supposed to work. So by the time you try a recipe, you'll just be comfortable with what it's gonna look like start to finish. All in all though, fermentation is just a classic homestead skill. I think you're gonna be really, really glad that you added to your repertoire. It's healthy for you. It's a great way to use up small batches of vegetables, and it's just pretty darn cool to say, yeah, I made some sauerkraut this year. What did you do? (laughs) All right, friends, if you are excited by the idea of a vintage kitchen full of all sorts of memories and delicious nourishing food. You will love my Heritage Kitchen Handbook. I packed this little ebook full of my very best tricks for cooking and eating like a farmer, even if you live in the city, and you can grab it for free over at www.heritagekitchenhandbook.com. And that is it for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate the reviews and ratings you leave. I read every single one. If you found this episode helpful today, Feel free to take a picture of the episode on your podcast player, post it on Instagram, give me a tag, and I love to share them and give you a shout out back. Thanks again for being a part of this crew, my friend. And we will talk again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.